Hello, this is Eduardo Rodriguez with the Food for Faith podcast, a podcast about loving your neighbors through food. Every day we have the opportunity to love through food. Eating is something we all have to do every day. So we want to help you think intentionally about how to add a missional moment to your day without adding more to your plate. In today's episode, we will be talking about how to have a conversation with our friends, co-workers, or neighbors who might need extra support and encouragement during this tough season. It's clear the impact the season has had on our mental health. I think we can notice it within those around us and sometimes even within ourselves. The rise in stress and anxiety that might be caused by social isolation, losing a job, or the political climate, it feels really real and really tangible in the way that we live our day-to-day lives. So it's so crucial that we touch base with one another to see how we're doing. But these conversations can be really difficult to start and they can feel really intimidating. I know they do for me. In this podcast, we want to do two things. One, we want to provide a way to intentionally start these conversations. And that would be through food. I mean, what better way to have and start this conversation than over some delicious food? And the second is to provide some tips on how to actually go about having this conversation. So today we have Terry DeYoung, who's a coordinator for disability concerns for the RCA, the Reformed Church in America, and he will be helping us um, and giving us some tips about how to go about having this conversation in a loving and caring way. So Terry, do you mind introducing yourself and letting us know a little bit about what you do? Thanks, Ed. It's good to be with you and to be thinking about uh, food and faith. I'm Terry DeYoung, and as Ed said, I serve our church denomination, the Reformed Church in America, as the coordinator for disability concerns. Not a position that many denominations or faith groups have in their budget, but I'm grateful that the RCA does. And what I try to do is consult, advise, and raise awareness with churches in the reform within the Reformed Church in America, but also beyond, about how to fully engage people with disabilities in the life of their congregation and in their work and witness in their communities. And disability is a pretty broad spectrum that can include uh, physical and people with physical impairments, those with sensory impairments, so hearing loss, for instance, uh, loss of sight, visual impairments, those kind of things. And we also uh, provide awareness around cognitive or intellectual or developmental disabilities. So think um, uh, people who live with Down syndrome, autism, Uh, And then we also provide education awareness and try to support our church as well around the area of mental health. Mm -hmm. And there's a whole range of various mental health or mental illnesses that uh, we try to come alongside churches wanting to support people well who live with those uh, those kind of impairments, whether they be short-term mental health conditions or longer-term ones. No, thanks for sharing that, Terry. And uh, maybe you can just uh, talk a little bit more about um, uh, mental health and specifically how to how we define it. I think 
Um, maybe that's something that people aren't always familiar with exactly uh, what the definition of mental health is. And, yeah. Um, yeah, we talk about, yeah, we, we talk about mental health, mental illness, mental wellness, so varying degrees of uh, stigma attached to um, the whole world of, of mental health and mental illnesses. And uh, a mental illness is, uh, mental illnesses are multifaceted. They have many factors that can impact a person's mental health. So there's things like um, in mental health uh, it can affect someone's social interactions and the support they receive from others. Uh, it's often has something to do with their context and their environment. It has uh, bearing on their uh, neurological well-being, neurology. It can be triggered by trauma or loss. Mm -hmm. It can be hereditary, so some people are more disposed, predisposed to um, by, by genetics to living with a mental illness. Um, brain chemistry, self-esteem, poverty, access wow. to regular uh, medical care, um, you know, a person's own perception of the meaning that they have in life. All of these factors can contribute to someone's uh, mental wellness. And, you know, there's, there's various diagnoses that come under that in terms of the spectrum of mental health issues. So, yeah, it's, it's really complex and there are no two cases the same. It can be a short-term um, illness, mm. and most are, but it can also be long-term and the degrees to which it's debilitating um, also can be range from mild to severe and you know deeply significant and lasting yeah well from your definition it sounds like mental health and mental wellness i mean it really affects all of us right in some oh, way oh absolutely or yeah 25 um, percent uh, of you know one in five one in four people at any time is living with some mental health condition wow. yeah so it's really very prevalent and like as i said some of those many of those are short term so mm -hmm. you know we're never completely immune to it no matter how healthy and sort of balanced or whatever you want to say we think we are right and i think sometimes people think about uh, mental health issues and they might go to the extremes of it right of mm -hmm. somebody mm -hmm. that is as clinical depression that mm -hmm. might be experiencing severe cases of it or severe anxiety where they you know, might be medicated or uh, mm -hmm. something like that, but but maybe you can give us an idea of maybe the the, the severity levels or the spectrum of like these mental yeah. health issues look like. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you mentioned a couple of them already. Anxiety disorders. There's a range of anxiety mm -hmm. disorders, um, addictions. Um, you know, postpartum depression, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder eating disorders, uh, major depression, which you mentioned, bipolar disorder or manic depression, schizophrenia, obsessive compulsive disorder. So there's lots of different kinds of uh, mental illnesses that we could be uh, subject to. And that many of our friends and neighbors and family members live with to varying degrees.
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if uh, you kind of mentioned one in five, uh, <laughs> that that's uh, we absolutely know people who are right uh, going through um, some mental health issues, and so uh, I, I'm assuming <laughs> that you have some interesting maybe information about uh, national trends when it comes to people's mental health right now uh, mm-hmm. with all that's going on in our world. I'm wondering if you can just um, you know maybe share some of those trends that you're seeing. Yeah, you know certainly the the pandemic that we're living through now and uh, has had a significant impact on people's mental health simply because they've been required to quarantine, to be isolated. They're not, they, they interact um, in distanced ways with people. They're, uh, you know, needing to wear masks and take other precautions. All of those things have a bearing on our mental wellness. and the incidence of mental illnesses has spiked during this uh, pandemic, primarily because people don't have access, whether it's access to their relationships that they're accustomed to. Mm -hmm. It might be just being able to go to work every day and see coworkers and colleagues, people that, you know, you have relationships with that have become friends, some of them. Mm-hmm. And there's just not that sort of interaction with others. And uh, we can, you know, maybe we're doing th- more things by Zoom, by video conference, checking in with people. Um, to see them remotely is better than nothing. Uh, but there is no substitute for yeah. interacting, uh, the social interactions that we engage in in person. Mm-hmm. And how do you do that in a pandemic? Yeah. And you know, I know here in where I live, we live in a, you know, a small city and we have a two block section of uh, kind of a little neighborhood that we, that we're kind of, there are natural barriers on either ends of the two blocks, two city, city blocks that we live on. And we would, for several summers, when the weather's nice, on Thursday nights, many of us would gather in somebody's yard it was bring your own beverage, <laughs> bring a lawn chair, uh, snacks if you need something to eat or want something to eat. And if it was cooler, we might build a fire. But anyway, it was just very loosely organized social interaction that it's been just, so we've done that for several years and it's uh, something we look forward to in the summer, but for yeah. a variety of reasons, those weekly gatherings have been much more limited this year. So. Um, you know, we've been able to have friends over on our deck, uh, you know, we've got a, a, a home that's got a nice deck on it, and that was a way to at least see people. But during this um, period of isolation, you just really notice the lack of interac- interaction that you have, especially when you do get together with someone. You say, wow, it's been so long, it is so good to see you, and, it, and truly those, those words are are yeah. heartfelt uh, in a time like this. It's not just uh, chit-chat. Right, yeah, we, we have a longing for connection in those relationships right yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I then think... once, you know, so I talk about access just to friends and neighbors, but mm-hmm. there's also access to medical care. Right. Uh, you know, all, all the precautions, all the st- steps we need to take um, to go visit a doctor or a therapist are so much different, and with the increase in mental health conditions during this pandemic 
as well as all the distancing and isolation that we're all living through, uh, the, the frequency and availability of telehealth. Uh, yeah. So connecting yeah. over the phone, online, virtually with uh, therapists and other medical providers has spiked dramatically. And again, that's better than making those kind of visits and inquiries is better than nothing, but it's not the same as seeing someone in person. Right. Yeah, and I think on top of that even, it's people who have lost jobs, right, and that are maybe dealing with the stress of the economics of all that's going on on top of the you know, family or uh, separation from relationships and yeah, absolutely. maybe family. And so, yeah, there's just many layers, I think, to what's, what's happening right now. kind of move this forward um, there's a great article that really kind of helped inspire this from the New York Times about how, how we check in with friends during this time and it, it kind of gives some kind of uh, different concrete steps about how to have this actual conversation because I think that can be feel really intimidating to people mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, it isn't to me as well I um, uh, so I found this to be really helpful because it yeah. just kind of gives a couple tips and uh, th- but the first one I really noticed that was interesting was um, just to look for signs of distress. So just, uh-huh. I, I guess, in this instance, it's just being really aware of those around you and yeah. uh, maybe uh, little things here and there that you notice that maybe is out yep. of character for mm-hmm. people um, and just kind of building that awareness um, I, I think it's really important. Right, um, right, right. So you, do you, do you not even see people out and about anymore Yeah. Um, that, that you would normally uh, consider to be quite active, and now they aren't. And that can even be a sign of some possible distress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just, it, you know, people are, you know, there's, yeah, so there are certain aspects of, the, of their behavior that have taken a sudden change. Yeah. Uh, what's what's going on there, and what what's behind that, and you know how do you uh, broach a conversation like that, mm-hmm. other than just to say, well, I've just noticed that I haven't seen you around doing any of the things that you used to do. Is uh, just curious if everything's okay, or if you have somebody, some other, you know, are occupied with some other activity or what, and see if that opens a door. But yeah, yeah, just any kind of signs that things might be different from what mm-hmm. they normally are. Um, and then uh, the next one I found interesting is uh, check in with yourself first. They kind of say that maybe. Uh, maybe yourself are not in a maybe a good yeah. place to even have the conversation. Maybe mm-hmm. you need to uh, take care of yourself first. And I think mm-hmm. that could, that's an interesting one uh, because I think we're re- we are really quick to want to help others people first, but sometimes we do need to stop and think about you know our needs in the moment. Um, right. So right. how do people maybe just uh, do a self check in? Maybe do you have any advice for that? Well, I I think how are you? Uh, what are your daily patterns? Have they changed at all? I know during this pandemic, I've woken up in the middle of the night and found it difficult to get back to sleep, um, which is unusual for me. I I normally sleep very well, but uh, so I've certainly been under more stress uh, at work and my wife says, what, what were you doing up at three o'clock in the morning or whatever time it was? And you yeah. didn't come back to bed and you know, just those kind of things. So how do we um, sort of step outside of ourselves and just 
look more objective, objectively at our own behavior. Yeah. Um, if I'm, you know, I, I, I love craft beer, but if I'm longing to start drinking, having a beer at two o'clock in the afternoon, sure. um, that's, that's different. And, yeah. um, yeah, what's, so anyway, trying to take an objective no, look at your own behavior great. is always a good idea. Those are great examples. Absolutely. Um, and, and I think I found for me the, the some of the toughest parts of this COVID experience has been uh, rhythms. The, my daily rhythms mm -hmm. have just been completely mm -hmm. off, and uh, I get a bit of anxiety from that. So I find mm -hmm. myself um, kind of pacing because I'm not sure what to do next. Mm -hmm. And when I start pacing, I'm like, oh, Ed, you need to like maybe sit down and just breathe in and breathe out and just kind of yeah uh get yourself into a better state so yeah i think um just yeah noticing some uh some different uh behaviors that uh you're experiencing is uh, yeah yeah and how much are you working things. i mean if you're working at home from home are you doing that all the time you wouldn't normally be doing that i hope i would i yeah. try not to do that when i leave work right. but i haven't been into the office since March mm -hmm. and so work is always in front of me if I'm doing it at home and my wife is at her place of employment and so it's just me and uh, yeah how am I spending my time and yeah. am I focusing too much on one thing at the expense of just bringing some balance yeah. to my life and and the next point uh, in the article is when you're ready to have the conversation pinpoint why you're concerned. So I think this is kind of adds an, another layer to what we're discussing where you, you uh, they say be explicit and say, I've noticed, you know, uh, you've been slower to respond to my text messages or right. I noticed you've been sleeping a lot more than usual. Is there anything you want to talk about? So it's identifying, you know, those, those uh, abnormal behaviors and just um, kind of pointing them out and letting them kind of explain the situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Um, and I, I think the other one that I, I find really interesting is uh, to ask uh, open-ended questions um, uh, when you're asking if they're okay. So, um, uh, so you know, how are things? Is anything on your mind? You know, what's the most difficult thing you've experienced lately? Um, uh, and if you're more familiar, you can probably ask more intimate questions, but yeah. keeping them open, open-ended, I think. I think my, my go-to, you know, when we're, you know, we're just chatting with people, I was like, oh, how's it going? And I feel like that yeah. can be such a, a reflexive thing. And uh, I think all of us tend to just want to say, oh, we're doing pretty good. We're okay. Mm -hmm. We're all right. Yeah. And yeah. so uh, I fine. think maybe, <laughs> yeah, I'm fine. Uh, intentionally trying to go about this conversation in a more intentional way it's just really important, right? Ask, yeah, really thinking yeah, through the, yeah, the way that yeah. we're going to start the conversation. Right, right. I, I just tend to ask people things rather than if I'm meeting someone for the first time, what do you do? Um, say, for say, just how do you, how do you spend, how do you spend your days? Uh, or mm. what have you been up to this week? Or what was, what's today been like for you? Just something to mix it up a little bit. So it's not just a, how you doing? Or what do you do kind of question. Oh, I, I work for our denomination. Oh, great. Well, um, and then move on. I, yeah, so anything that causes people just to stop and think uh, and answer in a slightly different way is good.
Yeah, yeah. And um, the next one is uh, don't set out to solve your friend's problems, <laughs> which I think, you know, can be kind of hard because, you know, we care about our friends. We care about the people around us and we want to help them. You know, we don't we don't like it that they're, you know, suffering or going through these hard times. And so I think a lot of us just tend to think about, well, what can I do to help to make this better? Um, and I think that's another really uh, instinctive thing that we tend to do is just give suggestions or give ideas, um, and that might be, you know, one of those things that are, can actually be really unhelpful. <laughs> right, right. And to try to act as a therapist yourself and, and solve somebody's problems is not the best way to build a relationship. Yeah. It's just to stay, say, well, it, you know, maybe it's, it, it's been great hearing about you. I'm sorry you're going through this. And rather than that temptation to give advice or to talk about your own problems, you know, when you went through something like that, here's what I did as if that's the only way to kind of uh, follow through sure. or uh, overcome something like that. Mm -hmm. But just say, well, I'm really sorry to hear you're going through that. Is it okay if I check back with you again uh, yeah. next week or next time we talk? Right. Um, so that not only, you know, if they say, well, sure, of course, if they say don't bother, well, that that leads you down a different path then. But if they say sure, mm -hmm. that tips them off that, okay, you care, you intend to check in on me again, uh, you'll remember this, and, yeah. and gives just to them a little bit of accountability, and maybe they will bring it up themselves the next, next time without you asking about it just because they said you were going to ask about it. So mm -hmm. uh, it, it's just a good way to, again, extend and continue to care for people is not to try to solve their problems yeah. because I personally don't always appreciate that. And it then puts them on the defensive if that's really not what they want to do or they've tried that approach or they've got some other uh, concerns about why that might work might not work for them mm -hmm. now they're on the defensive so yeah and none of us likes to be defending our position all the time or why we do something absolutely and uh, and you already highlighted the last point of, of making a follow-up date and how important that can oh, be. Oh, sorry about that Ed. No no yeah you're just that good Terry. <laughs> so, yeah. um, uh, covering the last point which is awesome and uh, in all of this, I'm I'm wondering um, how you can see food playing a part in in checking in with somebody, and how that can yeah. be maybe a helpful helpful uh, uh, way mm -hmm. to engage with people. Yeah, I think um, you know there, there's a long-standing practice um, around bringing food to people or providing food to people when they come home from the hospital or they're having surgery and they've got you know an extended family or you know kids living at home or a spouse who works a lot outside the home or something and food providing food or asking if can I bring you a meal or is it okay we've got some lasagna in the freezer that we made a bunch of a while back or chili mm -hmm. or something would that does that sound good to you and if so could I drop some off. Um, food, I think in those circumstances, a way to um, say I'm concerned about 
just your well-being. I hope mm -hmm. this helps. This is something we all need to do is uh, re receive nourishment and to eat. And I've had it where people said, that would be great. And would you be able to join us? And yeah. so you're providing dinner and then they're inviting you into their home, uh, which yeah. is a wonderful opportunity not to be, I don't expect that very often, but it has happened. Or I know when I've been on the receiving end, I've had a mm -hmm. surgery or break a bone or something like that and people offer to bring something over. Um, <clears throat> I personally welcome those opportunities, especially if I'm homebound and can't get out, I'm not supposed to drive, whatever it is, uh, to have some interaction with people and uh, just to receive their care and I can ask them how they're doing so it's not always about me and mm -hmm. uh, those are just wonderful opportunities just in the exchange and offering of food to uh, that we provide to one another. We had a neighbor down the street, two doors down, they had their first child um, three weeks, three or four weeks ago. Mm. And we would see them walking, see her walking, walking the dog <clears throat> as uh, she got closer and closer to her due date. And we have a, just a neighborhood Facebook uh, message group. So um, we'd not seen, her, I'd not seen her walking for a few days. And uh, then some other people's cars that I didn't recognize were in the driveway. Well, yeah. turns out, yes, they had their baby last night. And everything's great and this is her name and here are some pictures and that kind of stuff so then just to follow up yeah. and say hey so my wife did that she said hey we have some lasagna or some pulled pork that we just did would mm -hmm. do either of those sound good and so to bring over uh, a dish of yeah. frozen lasagna that they can you know put in the oven at their leisure the microwave um, just was a way nice connection get to meet the baby all of those things so sure yeah so yeah. just a way to get the get the, the connection going so yeah in this yeah. instance it could just be that um you know maybe that excuse just to drop yeah. on, off some food to maybe have this intentional conversation about yeah know, just checking in with their mental health and yeah how they're doing. yeah it reminds me of a, a friend a good friend who we had for many years um who lived with schizophrenia and you know there are different yeah. uh, ebbs and flows to that and sometimes uh, the voices that he heard would be uh, more pronounced mm -hmm. he was occasionally had some, a hospitalization for this you know medication would not be as effective after a while and then they had to change or something happened and Inter uh, medication got interrupted and that you know kind of messes with your whole system so uh, we would just make a practice of having him saying and he's single so hey Dave can you come over sometime soon we haven't seen you and after a couple of yeah. times like that he got to be calling us and saying awesome. hey how you doing um, just wanted to check in and so usually that was an opportunity to say hey you want to come over for dinner and we know we knew he enjoyed that yeah. He was on permanent disability, so, you know, he wasn't working outside of the home, and it was just a way, great way to connect with him. Oh, awesome. And we enjoyed those conversations. And occasionally would ask him how, how that was going, just his own mental wellness. And then sometimes he had lots of things to share, and other times, yeah, it's been really good, and not much has changed since I was here last time. So. Yeah. But that regular yep. communication that yep. 
um, yeah. that you're tr you're you've built trust with him, right? So when things yeah. get tough, yeah, he knows yeah. that he has a support. Right, and so to have a conversation over the phone is one thing, but to do it over a meal, it's just a much more relaxed pace, and you can cover a range of things, and it's not. Um, just focused on one or two topics that may may have been the reason for your call. So, yeah. just to be able to spend a couple hours together um, mm -hmm. gives you opportunity to ask lots of things that normally you wouldn't be able to talk about on yeah. a telephone call or in an email. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, th I have a, a friend who was diagnosed with depression um, right before COVID, and I know the season has been hard, so. And he, he um, has two little kids, and I know it's, it can be tough when days that he is babysitting them all day because he works from home. And um, uh, from time to time, I just bring over lunch, and I just drop it off, and I watch the kids as he just eats nice. <laughs> because he doesn't yeah. get that time to himself. Yeah. And yeah. I know how important those times can be for him just to have some, uh, some peace and quiet and just to have a, a little bit of connection to throughout the day. And then, um, so that's been a really good practice and rhythm for me and, and supporting him. This has been super helpful. Uh, really appreciate your wisdom and insight into this conversation, the examples you've been giving and information you've been given. Um, the last question for you <laughs> is, uh, uh, just what is your favorite food memory? I'm kind of curious, Terry. Just what? Uh, do you have one? Do you have a favorite food memory? <clears throat> I a couple things come to mind. Yeah. And <clears throat> one is uh, about probably 20 years ago, I was carpooling to work with a colleague, and we we got to be friends and. So we had, you know, a 40-minute drive to work and home from work. And in the course of just talking about life, learned that he was uh, part of a, he and another friend had decided to hire a chef to help them, mm -hmm. uh, teach them some basic cooking skills. I said, that sounds like so much fun. If there's an opening in that group, I would love to be part of it. Well, he talked, and sure enough, there was. So we got together with Eric. He was a chef, had done, cooked in restaurants um, for a number of years, was a younger guy. And we would gather on, for, we did this for like two or three months, once a week on an evening, and Eric would buy the food he would bring whatever kind of special utensils he wanted to show us and this was an instructional class so it wasn't just to make learn to make one dish that was awesome or one meal sure. an entree and a side and a dessert and an appetizer and all this stuff but he started out by just teaching us some basic cooking skills and food prep skills uh, these these sessions would last. We'd try to get together, get there at, as close to six as we could after work, mm -hmm. and he would be there. And one of the guys was hosting this every week. Uh, he had a modest kitchen, as we all did, um, but it was at, at uh, Russ's house all the time. 
And Eric, over the course of a couple of months, um, just taught us a whole bunch of skills that I still use today, 20-some years later. And funny thing, whenever I'm dicing an onion, <laughs> I always think of Eric and how he showed us to do this, yeah. showed us how to do this in a way that um, <laughs> I've tried to show my wife and she just doesn't have patience for it. But I ended up buying a set of knives oh, wow. that I still use that are, you know, they're Henkel cool. chef knives. I mean, it's a set of Henkel knives that are, you know, high gauge stainless. And so that, that's just a great memory. And some of the things, some of the dishes that I still make. A risotto, for instance. Sure. I learned from Eric with these other friends, and that just um, was a wonderful food experience, and certain yeah. parts of it come back to me weekly Yeah. Uh, when I'm cooking certain dishes. And, and I've still got recipes that Eric showed us. Uh, you know, he'd send us home with, the, you know, everything printed out that we did that night, and we'd, you know, he'd tell us how much it was for that week's lesson. So, you know, the food and his time. Yeah. Oh, we would eat all this stuff then. So we got <laughs> the fun of learning how to prepare it, prepare it, enjoy it together, do the yeah. cleanup together. And those were just such huh. wonderful times. And um, I've, so Cindy, my wife and I have uh, sometimes, there are a couple of times where we hired Eric to come in and as a Christmas gift to some young nieces and nephews who are like, you know, middle school, high school age, early college, uh, to say, hey, we'd like to have all of you over. Uh, we're going to have a chef there, and he's going to teach us a few things about cooking that you may, even if you're not interested oh, so in cool. cooking, you'll still enjoy this time together. And we'll make a fun, something we'll all agree we like. And yeah. so we've done that and sh shared it. and continue to share Eric and yeah. some of the things he taught us together. And now those kids are grown, they're married, they're having kids of their own, and they still speak fondly of, wow, that was such a fun <laughs> Christmas gift you gave us. So, yeah. and so there's oh, a couple man. of them. I, I love that. I love how powerful our food memories can be and how they're often around uh, people and community and how, you know, you had this really cool experience and then you wanted to share it, you know, yep. out of love you wanted to share this really cool thing. Um, so uh, yep. <laughs> this is yep. something I hope to ask everybody that's that joins the podcast. And um, just because I just I think um, it's just really fun and I think really inspiring. And it just uh, to hear people's stories around food and yeah. uh, the memories yeah. that they have of them. Yeah. The downside of that, if it's a downside, is that some of the, some of the nicer things my wife and I will have for di for dinner or invite friends over to have um i end up being the main cook that night oh, just yeah. because <laughs> well you know how to do that you got taught how to you know you know you do that better so you know all right yeah i i guess so okay um, so you turn into the chef yeah i turn yeah. into the chef we do try to share the cooking responsibilities in our household yeah. and uh, that's fine and and there are both certain things we like but those dinners yeah. when we're having people over often uh default to me yeah to, to do the prep work and the cooking which i'm fine show off with your onion chopping yeah skills, that's right you know? that's right but usually that's long gone by the time they arrive the onion is in the mix already it's being cooked up okay. or whatever yeah yeah well thank you for sharing terry and um just wondering um, uh, if uh, there's any way for people to connect with you to, you know, maybe there's something you have going on right now that you'd like to talk about. 
Um, anything you'd like to share on that way? Well, we have uh, you know a website. Um, for, so, as you know, Ed, I work for the Reformed Church in America, and so there's a website, rca.org is our website, and then any of the disability work, um, including mental health that folks wanted to get to is available there, so go on to rca.org slash disability. Um, and interestingly, we're going to be starting a podcast uh, this fall around mental health in the church. Awesome. It's, it's called um, Be Bearing Hope, hmm. and we're doing it in court cooperation with four other organizations. Um, so it'll be, uh, we, we anticipate and hope, uh, a long-running series of which conversations, 10 to 15 minutes around mental health in the church. Awesome. Um, so... Very Folks cool. could watch for that Bearing yeah. Hope podcast, Check Mental Health in the Church. Check yep. it out with Terry. Well, um, thanks, Terry, again, and um, we'll catch you on the next Food for Faith podcast, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Take care. <laughs>